put up the wrong message. If it was last week, she can do it again. Yeah. Want me to do Sunday's message again? Sammy, would you like to hear Sunday's again? I think there were some people here Sunday who weren't too happy hearing that message. My pastor, who was my first pastor, said, your name is Frank, and that is what you are, Frank. And that was a Frank message. Sometimes it's bitter, sometimes it's sweet. Tonight it's sweet. Who <laughs> said that? <laughs> you know, when I preached on prophecy here on Wednesday nights after about four weeks, God just said to my heart, man, you've got, you've got to just lighten up because these people, <laughs> they're shell-shocked. So um, that, was, that was probably one of the toughest messages that I've, ever, that I've ever preached, what I preached on Sunday. And it was a, I mean, it covered, covered a lot of them. I mean, just, again, where's American prophecy? And you stop and look at that. That's enough to really scare you, you know? But tonight I'm going to talk to you about Psalm 23. Okay, and I'm going through the psalm. I want to go through the psalms here on Wednesday nights over the course of uh, the summer when I'm preaching. I have some others preaching here too. Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, and you can stand with me for the reading of the word. I'm going to read it and I'll put it up for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Heavenly Father, open us up in our hearts tonight to this blessed psalm, Lord God, the song of all songs. And I pray, Lord God, that, Lord God, you would teach us tonight the, the meaning, Lord God, the depths of what it is to have you as our shepherd, to follow you, and to be blessed by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I've read, I've read Psalm 23. I figure, I figure it has to be thousands of times. I've preached on it um, multiple sermons. I've taught on it in Bible studies I've read numerous sermons. Uh, I'll tell you, Charles Spurgeon's sermons on it were actually the, the very best, but commentaries. One of, my, one of my favorite books, I mean, it's worth, worth a read, Philip Keller, The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. He grew up on a farm. He was a shepherd. And um, that's just a, a great, a great you know, book and really gives you a picture of, of what it is and what, you know, what David is really expressing as a shepherd. I've never once been bored. Remember last week I said, you're bored because you're boring? My wife wasn't here for it, but she rebuked me in the car and said, you shouldn't have said that. But let me explain myself. Okay, let me just explain. The point I was making is not that you're boring as a human being. My point is when you come to the Word of God, you've got to keep it exciting. You know, you've you know, you, you you got to keep it exciting. You, you know, there are different sections, and it's good. I read, I read, you know, a psalm every day. I read Proverbs every day. I read from the Old Testament every day, multiple passages in the New Testament. And I just go through systematically. Now, I read Colossians 2 uh, this morning. I read Colossians 3. I read, I read Psalm 
36 yes, uh, today, and I'll read Psalm 37 tomorrow morning. But you, variety, right? We, we like, variety makes you know, life unique. You, you know, variety is the spice of life. And another, another key thing is the newness. The Word of God is new, right? It's new. You know, His mercies are new every morning. We love new things. The reason we get bored with things is because we are doing the same old thing over and over again. So what, what would your life be like? I mean, how many of you like vegetables? Well, wow, that's amazing. Praise God. I love vegetables. But what if you ate celery every day? Wouldn't you get bored with it? Right? You know, how, how many of you, you know, you, you, eat, you eat dead animals, right? Most of you eat dead animals? Right? But if you only ate, like, let's just say all you ate were dead codfish, right? Right? You want a steak in there. Right? You want to get some you know, chicken in there, some turkey in there. So you like variety. And that's what the Bible, the Bible offers us a, a variety of different things. And um, again, when you come to the Word in the Spirit, in faith, it's new to you. So I'm going through Psalm 23 two weeks ago, and it's just, it was just a, a totally new experience for me, though I've read it thousands of times. I've, I've got it memorized. You know, I've studied it from multiple different, you know, perspectives, but that is the uniqueness of the Word of God. It's living and it's active. It's living Word. And uh, that's what makes it, I think, really special, and that's when we come to it. So I, I'm, I'm sorry if I offended you by saying you were boring, but, I'm, you know, the point I was making, you've got to just spice it up a little bit. You've got to, you know, have some variety in it. And God will bless you when you come to the Word like that. I mean, reading the Word every day for 40 years multiple times during the day, studying the Word. And I, have never, I really have never been bored. I can, I, I've never been bored with the Word. And it's, um, it's, just, it's just, again, it's alive. So, Shepherd's Psalm, the Song of Songs, the greatest song that's ever been sung, right? It is number one on the chart. Who knows what the number one song on the chart is, like in rock and roll, and I think it's Stairway to Heaven, which I think is Stairway to Hell. You know, but and and Frank Sinatra, "My Way" is also way up there. But um, this is the, the the greatest song. This you know, it's it's the, the the shepherd song. It's a song about the Lord being our shepherd. So let's we'll dig in. We'll look, at, spend about a half hour here before we go into prayer. So the first thing, the Lord, my shepherd. And in verse one, again, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to notice my, and I think that was something that really kind of came across to me. It's I underline it, I underline everything in you know, my Bible, but it's about my, it's personal, it's possession, it's about you know, having a relationship. He is my God. He is not everyone's God. He is my shepherd. That's what David is, you know, is saying. He's, he's personalized it. And David is his sheep. You know, I am his sheep. He is my shepherd. And it's about a, it's about a personal relationship with the Lord. You know, that's, that's what, we, that's what the, the word proclaims. Look at Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, 14, notice the two sides to this. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. He knows us. And he says, and I am known by my own. So his sheep know him. So the, the, word, the word there, know, Sam, what's the name, that, that Greek word? Genosko. And it's about, a, 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 it's a personal relationship. It's not just knowing about someone. 
Like, you can, you can know about George Washington, but how many of you know George Washington? Martha knew George, right? They slept together. They lived together. They ate together. They walked together. They loved together. They raised kids together. They cried together, and they rejoiced together. That's, that's the difference. That's between the difference between knowing about someone and really knowing someone in a personal way. Here, God is saying to us, really through, through, through his son, that if you are a true believer, right, he's going to know you, and you're going to know him. Now, it just again, that is what salvation is. It is a relationship of knowing God and being known by God. Now, all the forgiveness and all the things that come with it, but it's a relationship. We, we don't proclaim a religion here. The Word of God doesn't proclaim. In fact, Jesus was in continuous conflict with religious people. It, it, you know, it, it was the people who truly were seeking the relationship with God. Those are the ones that he sought. So, you know, if you know me, my wife knows me, and she will tell you, I am not religious. I am probably one of the most irreligious people you ever want to meet. And um, Jesus, again, his antagonism towards religion, I have an antagonism towards religion. I just, you know, rules and regulations. Rules, regulations, you know, things written in stone, outward things, not a living relationship in your heart. That's what the scriptures proclaim. I run away from religion. I don't want to be a part of religion. I, I do agree to a great extent. Religion has caused a lot of the world's problems. So when you hear the atheists saying, well, you religious people, you've caused such problems in the world. Inquisitions, you know, wicked crusades, child abuse that you know, was covered up just recently. So just, I'm, not, I'm not a religious person, and I don't believe Jesus was a religious person. It's, it's about a relationship. Look, John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's to come into that relationship of knowing him. The genosco in a personal way. And I'll give you a verse. This is a frightening verse. And um, I mean, it makes you really kind of look deeply at yourself. And uh, it's, it's from the Sermon on the Mount, the conclusion, Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we have, not, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. These are church people, folks. He's speaking about, he's speaking about church people. These are people, this pre, I'm, I'm right there, people prophesying in your name, preaching the word of God. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And, uh, you know, what does he mean here, I never knew you? God knows all things. He knows everything about us, right? He knows every little aspect of us, every cell in our bodies, every thought that we have, every emotion that we feel. He knows everything. But what does it mean that he does not know them? And, and here, again, because they weren't doing the will of the Father, one of the key things is we need to make ourselves known to God. Again, he knows all about us. But when you're in a relationship with someone, a true relationship you know, you're not hiding things from them. You know, you're, you're, you avail yourself to them. And one of the things to really know him and be known by him is to be transparent with him. To come before him, you have to step in the light. And the light, 
is revealing. It, it reveals our wounds. It reveals our hurts. It reveals our sins. It reveals our secrets. But you have to be able to come to him that way and just avail yourself to him, be transparent with him for him to really come to know you. And that's a key aspect of the will of the Father for our lives, that we would come to a place where we would be honest. I mean, that's, that's really what repentance is, the turning away from the hiding and the turning to God and just opening up ourselves to him that he can know us. Now, you know, look, I don't know about you. I do that every day. If you ever got your hands on my prayer journal and my time of confession, man, you probably boot me out of the church real quick. But every day I come before the Lord and I just open myself up to him. Hey, had a bad thought. Said a bad word. All right, maybe I was kind of cold towards someone. All right, maybe I was, but this never happens in our marriage, but maybe I was just, just a little, you know, cold with Sue. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to preach when your wife sits in the uh, second row. <laughs> you, you, you can't get away with anything. <laughs> but listen, he's my shepherd. I know him. In fact, I, I'll say this. I know Jesus better than I know myself because there are still things, inconsistencies and you know, weirdness, flakiness that I still see in myself. But I know him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always true. He's always righteous. He's always loving. He's always compassionate. He's always holy. And I know him, and I avail myself that he would know me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord my provider. So the second part of verse 1, I shall not want. You know what, that's coming to the place where you know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. You come, you come to a place where you, you know, I, I shall not want. I am in a place where I know he's going to meet my needs. Not my greeds, my needs. That he will take care of me. That he will take care of my family. I want to read a, a passage from Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 13. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but um, you lacked opportunity. Paul writing to the Philippian church. He's in prison. He's writing to the Philippian church saying thank you because they, they were providing for the ministry. They were giving to the ministry. So he says in verse 11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I'll tell you, just look at that. That is a blessed place to be. And then he says, I know how to be abased. I know how to be without things. And I know how to abound. I know how to be in a place of you know, abundance. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to look at the word content. It's an interesting word. The Greek word is otarxis. And otarxis basically means to be self-sufficient. It's, it's, it's a term where I don't need any outside help. I'm, I'm totally sufficient in the person that I am to provide for myself. So I'm, re I'm reading a book by a, a naturalist, and it's, it's basically a book about how you can live in the woods and just basically be put in the woods Without, you know, without a compass, without a knife, and basically survive. And you know what he says? He says in the book, 
he, he says, a person who understands what's in the woods as far as food, they'll never starve. And, you know, I mean, if you walked in the woods, you'd probably be looking around saying, Jesus, there's nothing to eat. This guy sees food everywhere. Some of the stuff you may not want to eat, okay? Um, dragonflies and grubs and the bark off the tree, certain leaves, certain things that are growing, moles, under, you know, mold underneath, you know. But he's a, he's a survivor. I know Gloria, okay? You okay, Gloria? They don't do that in Colombia and eat that stuff. But... That's Otarxes. You know the survival shows, these guys, you know, they, they just, you know, they go up in the woods and they, they can survive for days without anything. That's Otarxes. But notice what, what Paul does here, he, he puts a twist on it. So he's saying here, not that he is self-sufficient, but that he's God-sufficient. And that's when you come to verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That when we, we come to a place of, of true reliance on him, now that doesn't mean you don't work. Right? The Bible says if a man won't work, what? He won't eat. And if a man doesn't provide for his family members, what does it say? He's worse than an infidel. So it's not, it's, it's not saying that we, you know, we're, we work. We, we do the things. But look at, this is, my, this is my signature verse. You know, I don't know if you have a verse that you take for your life. I took this 40 years ago, Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will, shall be added to you. All those things that he was talking about that people worry about. What am I going to eat? Am I going to have shelter? Am I going to have food? Am I going to have drink? The, the idea here is if you keep him first in your life, right? Again, it, it doesn't mean you're not working. It, you know, you're, you're working. You, you work smart. You're going to provide for your family. You provide for your future. You provide for your kids. It doesn't mean that you don't do those things, but you put God first. You seek him first in his righteousness, and then you can come to a place where you can trust that he will meet all your needs, and you're not going to be in want. Now, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Did Paul have goals? Oh, I want to go to Spain. Right? I, I must go to Asia Minor. I must bring the gospel to Greece. I must bring the gospel to Rome. I must bring the gospel to Spain. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in a deeper way. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the suffering of what he experienced on the cross. Paul had goals, but he learned this. And this, this is, I teach this to people in my, in, my, in my coaching business. You can be content where you are and still have goals. You can be content today and say, you know what, I still want to grow and be conformed more to the image of Jesus. I still want to be more successful in my career. I still want to have a better marriage. I still want to be healthier. But right where I am today, you know what, I can be content. I can be happy where I am today and still be pursuing goals. That, that is, I believe, what you see in, in Paul and his contentment. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that's a beautiful place to be. Number three is the Lord my rest. So in verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me besides the still waters. Nice, calm, green pastures, still waters. In fact, sheep are notorious for being spooked. And, I mean, the slightest things, but if, if they're by water and, and there's suddenly a, a, you know, a, a wave or the wind or, or a sneeze, 
uh, this, the, 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 they can become spooked. When he says here, you know, the Lord leads them into a place that's calm, that's peaceful. He brings us to a place of rest. And what did, again, what did Jesus say in, in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30? Come to me, all you who labor and, I, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He offers us rest. Rest from what? Rest definitely from religion. You don't have to, you don't have to earn anything anymore. He did it all. He died for you. He, he died for you. He was raised from the dead. He offers you complete forgiveness. And he offers you that relationship. You can't earn it. You just receive it. Right? If I'm going to give you a gift, right? I hand, I hand you a gift. What do you do? The only thing you can do is take it. Eternal life is, is a gift. That relationship with God is a free gift that he offers to you. And you just receive it. You receive it by faith. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a rest from religion. It's a rest also from fear. You know, just preaching to you on Sunday, and I could see, I could see people just like, look, at the, I mean, some of the visitors here, forget it, man, they're, 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 their hair was popping out. But I could understand, and I, you know, look, every morning, I get up, and the first thing I do is I spend time with God. Then I work out, and then when I go to my office in the morning, I get an intelligence report that I pay for, that's put together by mostly military people in the intelligence community. It's expensive. It's an expensive piece that I pay for. And basically it tells me in 10 minutes I can read it and know what's going on in the world. And I think you'd have to sit there and watch all the TV stations probably for three days to get half of it. So I know what's going on in China. I know what's going on in Taiwan. I know what's going on in Ukraine and what's going on with, you know, with Russia, what's going on with Europe, what's going on in Britain today. There were some big things that were happening in Britain. Things that are, you know, econ the economics of what's happening in the world, geopolitical things going on. I can know what's going on 10 or 12 minutes. I'm still in a place of rest. I want to know those things, but I can still be in a place of rest and not being in a place of fear and worry. And I think that's, that's the beauty of, you know, of what God gives us. He gives us a rest from the things, the anxieties and the worries and the angst and the stress that people are carrying all the time. I think the closer you get to him, the greater that rest you know, is. Number four, the Lord my leader. Verses two and three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So twice, he leads me besides the still waters, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He is our shepherd. He is our leader. He is our guide. I mean, Jesus, you know, he said it numerous times during his ministry, follow me, right? Follow me. That's, that's, that's his call. To them he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He calls us to self-denial, calls us to sacrifice, and he calls us to follow him. So here's a, here's a dilemma. If we were with Jesus when he was walking the earth, it's kind of easy, right? We tag along. We've got the 12 apostles, you've got you know, the Marys, you know, Mary, 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 you know, going along with him. So he's not here. Right? He, said, he said in John 16, he said, it's better that I go away. I mean, they were all like, what, are you kidding me? 
we want you here. He says, it's better that I go away because if I go away, what? What will they receive? The Spirit. They're following him outwardly. But now, when he goes away, he's going to pour the Holy Spirit out upon them, and they're going to have the Spirit within them as their leader, as their God. And that's, again, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus. In fact, understanding those passages, when I started going out and preaching, I was a young preacher, I saw a lot of craziness in churches. I saw a lot of things that were supposedly the Holy Spirit. And... um, and listen, I, I, I mean, there were things that, I, I mean, I was right there in the midst of it, and there were things going on, and I do believe in manifestations of the Spirit, I believe in, in gifts, I believe in tongues, I believe in all of that, but there were things going on that I was like, I was like, this is some weird stuff, and this isn't the, this isn't the Lord. You know, I was in a, in a church once, this old man came up, and he's crying, his wife died a week before, and uh, it's a Pentecostal church in Staten Island, and um, I went over, and I, I just put my hand on his head, and he fell over. And then the whole church fell over. I just want to say this to you. I felt no power go out from me. And, but that's, they were conditioned. Apparently that's what they did every week. They were just like somebody taps you on the head and you fall over. But that, what do you find in Scripture? It's not there. And when I inquired as to where it is in Scripture from, this is a, a Pentecostal teacher, he said, when Jesus was arrested and they said, where's Jesus? He said, I am he. They all fell over. Those were his enemies. <laughs> So, do I believe God can bring you to your knees? Do I think God can put you on your face humbly and repentantly? Absolutely. But I saw things, so I was seeing these things, and we saw some, we had some people in our Bible studies. I mean, it was weird. And we were new believers, so these people had been in the Lord five, ten years. So we just took it as they were just much more spiritual than we are, and it was just zombie land. I'm saying, there was, some, there was this one guy, he was a zombie, and so when I began to look at the scriptures and, you know, those verses that talk about the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Jesus, this Holy Spirit is like Jesus. The same love, the same gentleness, the same holiness, the same compassion, right? The, the same rebuke, the same discipline, but he's like Jesus, and, you know, that is what he promised us, that his spirit, right, would lead us. Look, John sixteen thirteen. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let me just, let me just say this to you. To be led by the spirit, okay, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Right? The law is written on stone. There's the rules. And you know, some of the people in the church through the years get angry at me because I rip down signs. Okay? Please put away your dishes after you, you know, after you use them. Please wash the dishes and don't leave them in the sink. Please clean up after, and I rip down the signs. Because I believe as Christians, if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we should know to clean up our dishes. And if we make a mess, we should know to clean it up. We see a mess, we should know to go and clean it up, right? We don't have to look for, you know, the person doing maintenance. We all, you know, we're all believers. So the idea is, I believe, being led by the Spirit, we don't need outward rules and regulations. We're free if we're led by the Spirit from the law, but being led by the Spirit is a daring adventure. 
right? A lot of people would rather be led by people. They would rather be led by a bunch of rules and regulations. Here are the rules and regulations, right? Here's the laws. You do this, do this, 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 and that. And most people would rather be led by rules and regulations than this daring adventure that takes a lot of courage to be led inwardly by the Holy Spirit. And that is what Jesus has offered to us. He is our shepherd who leads us. And he leads us now through his spirit. And it is, it is just what I just said, it is a daring adventure to be led by the spirit. You get in tune with him. He'll guide you to people. He'll guide you to do some things that you've never done in your life and touching another human being's life in a very special and unique way. He'll lead you to bring people to Jesus. And that's a, that's a powerful thing. I'll give you one more before, before I wrap up, and I'll come back. I'll come back to this in another week. The Lord, my restorer. So in verse 3, he restores my soul, right? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So to restore, to renew, the concept is to repair. We, we all need that, and we need that every day. We need restoration. You know, I, it's, it's when I shared with you a few weeks ago, the law of the lake. You need to have inflow because we all have outflow. And, you know, you're, you're, you're giving, right? You're giving away, you're serving. Some of you are in, in major caregiving careers, and it's flowing out of you all the time. And if you don't have inflow, if you're not getting renewed, if you're not getting restored, right, you get burned out. You need, you need to have that, that restoration in the spirit. You need to have it in emotionally. You need to have it physically. You need to have it psychologically. And when you're experiencing that, that restoration, you're always in a place where you experience newness. Because what happens? Our hearts can get hard. Your heart ever getting hard? This world can pound on you. The heart gets hard, right? Your eyes get dry, and your prayers get cold. And I'll leave you tonight with a Keith Green song. Then just meditate on these words. We'll come back to the uh, Shepherd Psalm in the next uh, in the next few weeks. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive. My faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how.
Keith Green, uh, most of you are too young. I think Sammy Lenny, he touched my life back in the 1980s. He, he touched a generation of people across this country and around the world with his music and his preaching and his teaching. Young people. Young people were flocking. By the way, that's where Youth of the Mission was basically started with, um, with Keith Green, Leonard Ravenhill, David Wilkerson. And um, God took him home. He went off on his uh, little Cessna plane with a couple of his kids. He had eight kids. His wife was back with the kids. And uh, I think it was him and two of the boys. And they crashed in Texas. And he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, it was right smack in the middle of such an incredible, I mean, it's whatever God's plan is. But um, Keith Green, and doesn't that say it all, right? Our hearts get hard, our eyes get dry, right? Our faith gets old, and we need to have renewal. We need to have restoration. That's what we do here tonight. That's what we do on Sundays. That's what you need to do every day in coming to him. May God the Father, Son, and Spirit bless you all tonight. May the Lord truly be your shepherd. Follow him. Let him be your guide. He'll bless you. He'll bring you to green pastures. He'll bring you to still waters. He'll restore your soul, and the blessings of the Lord will be upon you in Jesus' name. And the worship team can come up, and then you can go right into prayer. The altars are open if you want to come up and pray here alone before we go into prayer together. I will give thanks to thee.
Father, thank you for this night, Lord, and this blessed time together, studying your holy word and learning more of you. Thank you for touching our hearts, Lord God. Soften our hearts, Lord. Let our eyes not be dry. Let them be filled with tears of joy, tears, Lord God, of just intercession for those who are lost around us, Father. God, may you lead us again and again to still waters. As you promised, you saved your word. We thank you this night. Precious name we pray. Amen.